Welcome back to He Leadeth Me, a spiritual formation podcast for Focus staff, students, and friends. I'm Jessica, Focus's Manager of Spiritual Formation, and today I'm joined by Father John Ignatius Esrati. Father John Ignatius is a former Focus chaplain, and now he is a parochial vicar in Denver at Saints Mary Magdalene and St. Bernadette. Father John, thank you for joining me today, and Happy New Year! Hey Jess, Happy New Year to you too. It's a joy to be with you again. So Father, today I want to get your thoughts on the role of desires and dreams in the spiritual life. I have this little practice that I do every year uh, around the first of the year where I take out my journal and I pray about what are my dreams and desires for this year and for the rest of my life. And then at the end of the year, I like to look at that list I made at the beginning of the year and see which ones God fulfilled. And it's kind of a fun exercise for me just to be able to share with Jesus, here are some of the desires on my heart. And it can be really fun when I realize, oh, I have been telling Jesus for several years that I want this particular thing. Like recently it was, I wanted to take my mom on a pilgrimage to Italy. And then finally that happened. And I was able to pray with Jesus, this happened this year. Thank you so much for fulfilling this desire, this dream for me. I do think that it's a good practice to share our dreams with Jesus. But at the same time, I am noticing in focus and maybe in the wider church, there can be a lot of emphasis on figuring out what your dreams are and then pursuing them. I'm sure maybe you've seen these activities that people will do at churches where they make a list of a hundred dreams. And they break them up into categories. Okay, what are your 10 dreams for your physical life and for your spiritual life, your character dreams, and so on? And people get stressed out because they can't even think of that many dreams. So they think there's something wrong with them. And I think this is especially true for discernment within focus. When people think about what is God's will for my life, they can look at their dreams or their lack thereof. So that's what I wanted to talk to you about today. And I thought maybe we could look at it in terms of three classes of people. So the three classes of people are the first people assume that whatever their dream is must be God's will. Second class of people assume that whatever their dream is, their deepest desire must not be God's will because God wants them to suffer and become more like Jesus and offer it up. And then the third class of people doesn't know what their dreams are, and they think that, oh, I really need to figure this out because until I figure out what my dreams are, I won't know what God's will is. So that's our our challenge today. That is a great point, Jess. Um, And you started in a great way when you said this is discernment because this is exactly what it is. It's another way to discern. Many times when we speak about discernment of spirits, and uh, we talked about this in, in previous episodes also. It's just, well, what uh, I am experiencing that comes in my prayer, for example, the, the feelings, emotions, the inspirations that I am having. Do they come from God? Is the good spirit moving me or is it the evil spirit, right? In a certain way, the same happens with our desires. So is my desire good or bad? But I'm not, I'm not saying so much if it is morally good or bad. I assume that our friends here, focused missionaries and focused friends, I mean, probably they all have good desires. The question is, does my desire align with God's desire? Uh, that is the discernment that we have to do. 
There's nothing wrong uh, with desiring things. The question is, does my desire align with what God desires in my life and for my life? So let's talk about this first group of people. I have a dream, so it must be God's will for me. Now, the interesting thing is that I'm actually hearing a lot of them say, well, doesn't St. Ignatius say that? Didn't St. Ignatius really focus on the desires of his members of his religious order? And then he would try to see to it that they were put in places where they had desired to be or something like that. They can't really quote anything specific, but they bring it back to St. Ignatius. So can you please clear up the confusion for us? What does St. Ignatius say about your desires and dreams? Well, St. Ignatius gave a lot of importance to our psychological life. Uh, You see that in the spiritual exercises and in his letters. So it makes a lot of sense that he would pay attention to what people desired. But he didn't stay there. He would discern if those desires really align with God's desires. So many times it happens. So you will say, or you will see the same thing. And just say, well, this person has this particular talent or they desire to go to this particular place. And I think that that will be for the glory of God. So let's do it. But other times, Ignatius will see that, yeah, even though this person has this desire, he thought that in prayer and with a lot of discernment, it was not the best for the person or for the glory of God. And he will say, well, not this time. So, uh, of course, he gave a lot of importance to desires because that is one of the ways in which the Lord speaks to us. But it is not the only way. First thing to say. Second thing to say is not only God speaks to us through desires. It could be also the evil one because he can also put desires in our heart or it can be our nature that is wounded by original sin. So we have desires, which again, I'm not talking about sinful things many times, but we have desires that bring us more comfort or less challenges. And maybe God wants us to embrace a new challenge and our nature says, I don't want any challenge. So my desire is different. So the first thing I would say to those people is not every desire of yours is God's desire. And you have to assume that, that not every desire of of yours is God's desire. And this is where discernment comes to say, well, how do I discern my desire? Well, actually you do exactly the same as you do with your inspirations uh, during prayer. A desire that leads you to a greater love of God probably will come from God. A desire that leads you to more sacrifice, you know, uh, less thinking about yourself and thinking more about others probably comes from God. But I think that the key to understanding which desire comes from God or not is a desire that goes against either your state of life or a decision that you already made before. I would doubt that it comes from God. Let me give you an example. A missionary who has just discerned that he or she will stay on staff for another year. It doesn't matter what year it is. Uh, usually by February, our missionaries have to decide and tell their regional directors, yeah, I want to stay on staff. So after a lot of prayer, advice, spiritual direction, uh, this missionary came up with the conclusion that, yeah, the Lord is inviting me to stay on staff. And he or she says that to the regional director, you know, I discern that I want to stay on staff. And that happened in February. And out of the blue, by the end of March, this mission has this desire just to go and work in his or her career. And it's a strong desire. So the temptation will be, well, God is giving me this desire. So probably the decision that I made before was wrong because otherwise, why would God give me this strong desire to leave staff after I had decided to stay and now work in my whatever career it is? So my question to this missionary, and I think that uh, your question will be the same. 
how do you know that God gave you that desire? That is discernment, okay? In this particular case, it seems to be kind of easy because if you prayed, you thought, you asked for advice, and you came to the conclusion in the presence of God that he was asking you to stay one more year on staff, it is kind of weird that when the moment comes for you just to put that into practice, God will change his mind. Uh, it doesn't happen that way. Uh, God is your ally when you decide something. So that is one example. So I would always say, if that happens, talk to your spiritual director because uh, your spiritual director will help you see how the devil works. But I've seen uh, similar situations with lots of people when they have already made a decision in the presence of God and then their desires change and they think, well, God is giving me this desire. And well, the question is, is that God? So it is there when you have to think about uh, where is this desire leading me to? And, and that is how you discern. That is such a good point. And I think that while I don't want to say God always acts in a certain way, at the same time, if God leads a soul down a certain path and continues to confirm that through consolation in prayer, through their desires, he doesn't often then all of a sudden at the last minute have the person make a complete U-turn. I think that we can see this in the life of St. Therese of Lisieux. I think it was either right before she became a novice or right before she made first vows that, you know, she had been desiring to enter Carmel for years. She got permission from the bishop to enter a little bit early and everything in her life was leading up to this moment. And then right beforehand, she thought, no, it's actually God's desire for me to be in the world. And I had asserted my own will in all of these situations. And so she said, I immediately went to my novice mistress to talk about what I was experiencing. And the novice mistress just kind of laughed it off and said, that's a temptation. That's from the evil spirit. And immediately peace returned to St. Teresa's heart. But it's such a good example of how the evil spirit can try to distract us from the path that God has been leading us on. And it's so easy to all of a sudden second guess all of our motives and think, oh, I was asserting my own will in this situation. Yeah, because the, the devil knows our good intention. So he, he plays with us. So remember, God never plays with us. He is a father. So he wants our best thing. So he will not be playing with us. Well, I tell you this, but then out of the blue, I will change my mind and then I will change it again because that is not how a father behaves. The devil does it. The devil will just uh, shake us to say, well, no, I mean, I want this or that. I, I remember this other anecdote, very similar to what I said before and what you are saying about interest. Uh, this is a young man who, after a lot of prayer and discernment, he, he saw very clear with his spiritual director that the Lord was asking him to apply to seminary. So he started the application. He hadn't finished yet. And then we were having a conversation and he said, you know, father, I think I will not go to seminary. And, and I said, but you told me that you did with your spiritual director that that was what you thought that God was asking you. Yeah. But you know what, father? Oh my gosh. I met this awesome, holy, beautiful woman. It's the holiest person. It's a, kind of another St. Trash, but in the world, you know, so perfect woman. And, and he said, so I, I, I think that if the Lord brought this woman to me, he doesn't want me to go to seminary. And I said, wait a sec. First, how do you know that God brought that woman to you? I mean, she can be very holy, but how do you know that God brought her to you? And then after all this prayer and discernment, which took you quite a bit of time and advice, doesn't it look a little bit suspicious that out of the blue, God changed his mind? So when I said that, he said, Father, oh yeah, you're right. And he's in seminary. So, I mean, 
it's kind of just everyone, seminary, uh, marriage, engagement, staying on staff. Just when you make a decision in the presence of God, just trust that decision. And I would say distrust, you know, those out of the blue desires that come up. Not every desire that we have comes from God. And that is what we have to remember. Yeah, I think that's probably the most important point. And, you know, the other day I saw uh, one of those little cute postings on Facebook, and I thought that it was really funny. It said, Jesus never said, follow your heart. He said, follow me. The way St. Ignatius puts things in the exercises is so perfect because he has you meditate on the life of Jesus and just really focus on Jesus and your end goal, which is getting to heaven and bringing as many souls there with you. And then after you've just focused on Jesus, you can pray about the decision that you have to make. But if you start with the decision, if you start with your own desires, that's starting in a worldly place. And odds are that prayer is going to end in a worldly place. You know, this is awesome. I mean, maybe we take a tangent here, but I mean, when, when people ask me about prayer, you know, how do I pray? And I ask them, what do you, what do you do when you pray? Uh, and they say, well, I bring my life to Jesus. That is great. But I said, first focus on Jesus. Exactly what you are saying, Jess. So when you pray, when you go to do your holy hour, when you are going to spend time with Jesus, always start with Jesus. Because if we start with yourself, that is already kind of uh, distorted. So you are starting with you and your heart. And it will be very easy to convince yourself that what you are experiencing comes from God. And, and instead of being having a conversation with God, you will be talking to yourself about what you like or what you don't like. So uh, as you are saying, Jess, always start with Jesus, exactly what St. Ignatius does. He first tells us this is the end of life. This is what we were created for. And then focus on God and then just compare yourself, your heart to what the Lord wants of you. Now, Father, I want to get your thoughts on one more question before we move on from this class of people. But the class of people that we are on right now are those who know what their dreams are, um, and they assume that it's God's will. Well, so sometimes I think that if people have had this desire for a really long time, that they can cause themselves confusion by discerning it. So here's my example for you, and I just want to see what you would have thought in this situation. So when I was in college, I had a friend who her entire life, all she wanted was to be a wife and a mother. That was what she was attracted to. And she had visited some religious communities, but just no attraction to religious life whatsoever. She started dating this man. She was in love with him. They were getting very serious. And he said, I've discerned priesthood, and I know I'm not called to be a priest. You haven't really seriously discerned religious life. So I think that we should pause our dating relationship so that you can discern religious life. And I want to give Jesus the first shot at you. And that seemed very noble, only then she felt like, well, I'm supposed to desire religious life. And then if I do, my intentions will be pure, and then Jesus will let me get married. So then she started trying to desire religious life, really couldn't. And then she found some things where it's like, okay, I can see where this is good. And she started to get really confused. And my thought was, if you've known your whole life that you want to be a wife and a mother, and you can see how you can serve God in that, don't confuse yourself with more discernment. But uh, maybe I was wrong. I want to know, what are your thoughts on that? No, you are absolutely right. As I was listening to you, I said, what is this guy saying? Oh my gosh, if he had come to say stop and just marry her, you know? 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, so we say that not every desire that we have comes from God, but that doesn't mean that no desire that we have comes from God. So as a practical rule of thumb, what I would say to the people is when you have a desire that is good, first and foremost, assume that it comes from God. I mean, don't doubt it. Uh, when you have a good desire, assume that it comes from God, and then you start your discernment, then you look at it. So if it doesn't go against your state of life, if it has been with you forever, and if it leads you to God, well, probably it does come from God. I, I don't want uh, the people who are listening to us now to think, oh my gosh, I have to doubt all my desires because I don't know if they come from God. No, no, no. If you have a desire that is good, the first reaction should always to assume that it comes from God, and then you discern. So like this guy that I mentioned about the seminary or, or the missionary who had decided to stay on staff. Well, in this case, when you discern, you clearly see that this desire that came out of the blue is opposing a decision that you have made not long ago. So that would make it suspicious. But in the case of this young woman, she always desired to be a wife. She even prayed about religious life and she didn't feel any attraction. So, I mean, I think that is so clear that that desire for married life and to be a mother comes from God. The discernment actually confirmed that that was what she desired. And when she got confused because of, I have to say, the bad advice given to her, that confusion reaffirmed that her desire was right. That's a good point. I had never thought of that before, that that confusion, of course, it's not of God. And so it reaffirmed her original discernment. Yeah, I would say uh, we can move on to the other kind of people, but... Uh, and this applies to all, the, all, all this discernment and the people we are going to talk about, but don't overthink. I mean, we have to be simple, okay? I mean, when we discern, God is simple and he wants our good. So friends, don't overthink. The fact that we are saying that not always do our desires align with God's doesn't mean that it never happens. So just take it easy and always go to a spiritual director. When you have doubts, just ask for advice. Be open, vulnerable, and humble. And God will be on your side always. All right, so let's move to our second class of people. These would be the people who they do have a specific desire or dream, and yet they automatically think that must not be God's will for me because I need to be conformed to Jesus who gave up his desires. And so God must want me to suffer the loss of that thing. And you would be surprised how common this actually is in focus. People desire things, but they think, no, that definitely must not be God's will for me. Or even they kind of want it to not be God's will for them because they think it'll make them holier. It'll make them more like Jesus. This is some confused thinking right here. Please shed some light. Yeah, I mean, what you're saying, actually, I mean, that reaction is the product of a heresy, which is Jansenism. The harder, the better. You know, I mean, if, if I suffer more, I will be holier. And that is not true. Okay. What makes us holy is the conformity of our will with the will of God. And sometimes God is so good that he gives us desire that are conformed to his will. I mean, I would go back to what I said before. Don't overthink. If you have a good desire and there's no reason for you to think that God doesn't want it, just go for it. Don't immediately think, oh, because I want it, for sure my desire is crooked and it's not good. So because in the end, it's that Jansenism, that heresy of I have to do the harder so that I can be holier. And in the end, if we think that way, we're putting holiness uh, as depending on us and our efforts. And holiness is a gift from God. I mean, he wants us to respond to his grace so i would say exactly what i said before just when you have a desire just test it don't assume immediately that it comes from god 
If it is a good desire, I repeat, if it is a good desire, treat it as coming from God, but test it because St. John said test all the spirits. And the same happens with a desire. Don't immediately think, oh, because this is what I want. Probably it doesn't come from God because I think that this will make me happy. Probably it doesn't come from God because this is not the, the most difficult thing. Probably it doesn't come from God because that is not how it works. Now, I think that the heart of the matter for this group of people is exactly what you said overthinking. But how do you get yourself to stop overthinking if you're an overthinker? Ask for advice. Okay, that is the easiest way. I can give you a lot of tips to say, well, don't think or or just assume. I would say when you see that you are overthinking, just stop and go to somebody who has experience in the spiritual life and say, hey, this is what I'm thinking. And the person will tell you, don't overthink. I think that the Lord is asking you to do this or we'll give you the tips better. I mean, I would, what I would do is I will show you how the Lord is working so that you eventually see clearly what the Lord is asking. That's what spiritual doctor would do. But uh, yeah, if you think that you're overthinking, if you, ha- if you have that tendency to doubt of all your desires, just go to a spiritual director. Yeah. And it's really important that you trust your spiritual director. If this director has not steered you wrong in the past and they're a holy person, there's no reason to mistrust them and there's no reason to get a second opinion. It's not like a doctor where you got a bad diagnosis and so then you go and see another doctor for a second opinion. Just trust your spiritual director. Yeah, because sometimes looking for a second opinion in in the realm of the spiritual direction is I don't like what they told me. So I need to find another one who will align with my thoughts, you know? Yes, exactly. So just trust. And again, remember, the harder the better is a heresy. So it goes against the way the church has always taught, and it goes against the way God works in our souls. And heresies always reveal something that's not true about our image of God. So if you think that God just wants you to suffer, and that'll make you more conformed to the image of Jesus, you need to stop and ask yourself, how am I viewing God right now? Do I view him as somebody who is like the tough coach that's going to make me do really difficult things and I have to earn his love and respect? Do I see him as a boss? Or do I see him as a loving father who might have given me a gift through the thing that I desire? And you know, at Christmas, when fathers get their children presents, They're excited when the child is excited to open them. And if a child opens a present and says, Dad, um, I want you to keep this present so that I can show that I love you, or you must not want me to have this present so that I can grow in abnegation, that father's going to be disappointed. That's a great point. Yeah, if I was that, that's it. Come on, I just bought this for you just use it you know i mean it's kind of god telling us hey i gave you this gift use it enjoy it you know i mean the cross will always be present we have to know that so when we say that we have to embrace our crosses more of what jesus tells us that we have to take up our cross and follow him that will happen so we have to know that sometimes uh, we interpret that line of jesus as well that means that i cannot enjoy life i cannot have any pleasure So, well, but we see Jesus having nice dinners and going to parties. And, you know, that means that Jesus, with his example, if that was wrong, Jesus wouldn't have done it. So the cross will be there and the invitation is to embrace our crosses. But it doesn't mean that we cannot enjoy gifts that the Lord has given us. And we don't have to go looking for the cross. The cross finds us. Oh, make sure that it it will happen. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Let's talk about our last group of people. 
So these are people who will say, well, I know that St. Ignatius says that God speaks to us through our desires, but I don't know what my desires are. And so then they can kind of stress themselves out trying to figure out what their desires are. What are your thoughts for these people? Well, I mean, we go back to the same thing. I mean, probably they don't know because they they are overthinking. They have an idea that their desires will be something so clear. So, I mean, no, desires, what do you want to do? Just what would I like? What do I like? That is what you have to ask. I would caution them to say, well, yeah, God speaks through our desires, but we have to know that if it is God speaking, I want to say that again, because I mean, that phrase is misused many times. Uh, God speaks through our desires. Yes, as long as they come from God. Okay. That is important to always say because there can be desires that don't come from God. But supposing that they come from God. So what are my desires? What do you like? What do you want to do? You know, when, when somebody comes, many people who are listening to us know that I, I work a lot on discernment, vocational discernment. And when a young man, a young woman, they come to me and says, I want to be a priest. I want to be a sister. My first question before any other question is, do you want to be a priest? Do you want to be a sister? They, they come and say, brother, that I want, they say, I think that Lord is calling, the Lord is calling me to be a priest or a, a sister. So my question is, do you want to be? And sometimes the answer is no. I say, okay. It's easy. Then, I mean, I help them see why. I mean, we, we try to go into why do you think this way? But, you know, God is simple, friends. So we overcomplicate things. It's like I knew this, this young woman, very beautiful woman who dated several guys uh, very seriously. And she would never take the step when they were proposing marriage to say yes, because she was expecting that she had to feel something special at that moment. And she never felt it. So because she was expecting to feel the way and she never felt it, she thought that that was not the person. And eventually she stayed single, but she could have been married, but she had an expectation that was an overcomplication that she thought this is the way it should be when it was way simpler. So with God, it is the same. We imagine that if God will give me a desire, it has to be so clear, so perfect, so crisp. No, just what do you like? What do you want? And if that is something good and it aligns with your state of life and the way that God is working in your heart, just go for it. Now, this is reminding me of what Father Kevin was teaching me about the spiritual exercises. And I'm just trying to remember did St. Ignatius actually say God speaks to us through our desires or was it God speaks to us through consolation? I don't remember all the writings. He doesn't say in the, in the exercises, he speaks through desires. Uh, but it is something that we assume in the way he speaks through consolations, emotions, motions. He uses, he uses the word motions many times. So um, a desire could be emotion as well. God can use the desire as emotion. So that is why we can say that yeah, there is something. I mean, it can fall into the Ignatian spirituality to discern the desires the same way you discern the emotions or the inspirations, okay? Uh, literally speaking, uh, I don't think that he ever said God speaks to us through desires, but it's something valid to think, though. It's just kind of making me think that maybe the distinction is that St. Ignatius told us that God speaks to us through consolation, and I think that you could define consolation better than I could, but... What I think that I remember is that consolation is an increase in faith, hope, and charity. And it's when your heart is set on fire with love for God and desire to serve Him. Whereas when we think about our dreams and our desires, 
I think we usually think about our own happiness. And so the end goal that you're thinking about is a little bit different. For St. Ignatius, the end goal is happiness in heaven. The end goal is heaven. Whereas oftentimes when we think about our own dreams and desires, if we're really looking at what the end goal is, it's our happiness on earth. Absolutely. I mean, you just hit the nail on the head. That is exactly what he means. Every time Ignatius speaks about discernment, whether it is in the exercises, so you read his letters and when he gives advice to people, he always has in mind the ultimate end, which is heaven. When you say, listen to your heart, follow your heart, follow your desires, usually what the world means is what makes you feel happy, not what gives you happiness. So in a spiritual way, listen to your desires, follow your desires as long as they will lead you to heaven. Uh, that is the ultimate discernment is what I am desiring is what I'm going to do is what I'm going to say, going to help me go to heaven and be closer to God. If the answer is yes, go for it. If the answer is no, why would you do it? So the same applies to our desires. I want to end with you giving some practical advice for prayer, but let's say you've got a student who is thinking that they always wanted to become a doctor. Uh, and so they're thinking maybe I should pursue medical school after I graduate, or maybe I want to become a focused missionary. So that's one thing that somebody could be discerning who's listening right now. And they have this desire that they've had for a long time, uh, but they're wondering, is my desire aligned with God's desire? How can I pray about this? And then maybe you've got a focused missionary who is thinking, I always wanted this career, or I always wanted to be married or something like that, is staying on staff for another year, what God desires for me, or should I be pursuing these other dreams? So you've got people who have dreams and they're wondering, is it God's will for me to pursue them? Are those dreams of God? What's your advice for entering into prayer with all of this? Well, that's a great question. Uh, the situations are different and I would take every situation as a case by case thing. The first disposition that we have to have when we enter prayer is to say to Jesus, Jesus, I want to do your will. No matter what it is, instead of asking him, tell me what you want, because in the end, we want the answer. We want the information. No, just give yourself to Jesus and tell him, I want to do your will. And then examine your desires under that light, under the desire to do God's will. So if I always wanted to be a doctor, but... I met a focused missionary and I really would love to be a missionary because I want to share the love of God. I want to share my conversion. I want to share how much God loves me. Well, if that is really strong, it doesn't go against your other desire because being a focused mission will be for a few years and then you can always pursue med school. Now, if you say, for example, it would be awesome to be a focused missionary, but I don't, I mean, it would be good, but I, I rather feel that I want to go to med school. Just go to med school. I mean, make it simple again. Don't overcomplicate. And the same with a person who a missionary who is discerning whether they have to stay on staff or not. I mean, you know already what a missionary life is. You know how, how it is and you know all the good you can do. So my practical advice in this particular case is again, look at your heart. So if, if there's nothing in your heart that says you have to leave focus, I mean, something that you say, well, I just don't want to stay for a particular reason that which you, you will discern with your spiritual director. But if that doesn't exist and there's nothing out there who says, well, I really want to start working in my career, why would you make any change if you're doing so much good for God? Now, if being a missionary, there's something in you and you will have to discern with your spiritual director that tells you, I want to leave staff for this particular reason. Well, maybe God is inviting you to leave staff. 
or uh, there's a great opportunity to start your career and you fulfill your commitment with focus, I mean, it will be licit to pursue that direction. But again, first, you have to have this disposition. I want to do your will, God, and then to see what is the best way in which I can serve God according to my desires, my talents, my personal experience. God is your ally. He will not make things complicated for you. We are the ones who overcomplicate stuff. God makes things easier. So go to your spiritual director. Go to another person who will help you see and discern. But you will be the one who eventually discerns. But, I mean, having another person's perspective always helps. And, you know, I think that if somebody is stressed out trying to figure out, is my desire of God or I don't have a desire, give me a desire, all of that, I think the best thing that they can do to make a decision about what their next step is, is to not think about it anymore and just focus on Jesus. I found that if I go to prayer saying, okay, God, what do you want me to do? Is it this or is it this? And is my motivation for wanting this of you or is it my own attachments? If I just pray about Jesus and worship him in my prayer and focus on his life, the answer usually comes to me. Absolutely. You know, Jess, I mean, you just... You are saying that when, when you go to Jesus and you ask for information, you're treating Jesus as if he was Google or Siri or whatever phone you use or Wikipedia, you know. Hey, Siri. Hey, Jesus. Tell me what I have to do. That is not how it works. You want to focus on him. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, reveal yourself to me because I want to love you better. I want to be yours. That is the disposition. Because in the end, when we go to ask for information, when we go to know, is my desire from me or does it come from God? Uh, in the end, it's all about us. Let us be honest. We are not focusing on Jesus. We are focusing on ourselves. And that is why Jesus many times doesn't give us the answer because he's saying, just stop thinking about yourself and focus on me because I am the savior. You are not going to save yourself. And I think that is the key. When we go to pray, let us focus on Jesus Christ and all the rest will be given to us besides. That is such a good point. It reminds me of when Jesus says, he who loses his life for my sake will find it. And sometimes when we go to prayer, we need to lose our lives for his sake. We need to lay aside all of the worries that are on our minds and our dreams and everything else about us and just focus on him. And the irony of it is we find ourselves in that process and we discover his will without having to remind him that he needs to tell us about it. Exactly. He, he wants our best. So we don't need to remind him of that. So, I mean, it's just, let's go to him. Let's have this relationship. And it is in the context of that relationship where he will tell us everything we need to know to grow closer to him. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Father John. I hope everybody has gotten a lot out of this episode and has some direct things that they can take to prayer as they are discerning their dreams, if they come from God, but also any decisions that they have to make in their lives right now. So could you close us in a blessing? Absolutely. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for this new year that we are beginning. We ask you to open our hearts to always seek your will, your glory, and our sanctification in everything we do, inspiring us good works and good desires so that we may seek your glory and always serve you in everything we do. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.